excited for our next guest because I don't know if you're like me, but I'm always trying to find resources where I can really decipher which products really work, what's marketing magic. You know, I always kind of value somebody who totally brings an honest opinion, but I love a little sarcasm mixed in. And honestly, Jamie.com is one of those resources. So I'm so excited to actually have the woman behind HonestlyJamie.com on today. She's a former beauty and fashion publicist and a social media expert turned blogger. So we're definitely going to hear her story of her journey of years of working on the PR and marketing side of the beauty industry and then taking that knowledge and sort of turning it upside down to go really on the other side and really advocate for consumers with daily doses of beauty, lifestyle, fashion, pop culture, and even a little finance mixed in. So she definitely has the diversification. So I'm so excited for us to talk to Jamie Stone today. So let's just dig right in. So welcome to Bare Skin with Celeste. I'm so excited to do another amazing episode. I want to thank all of you because we got so many great comments um, from our last episode. We also got a lot of questions uh, or input to really talk about how you love even learning more and going deeper with our guests. So I'm excited that we'll be able to do that today with Jamie Stone. Jamie, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat today. Oh, it's so great. I would love to share with our audience because I love to hear about women who transition, who have one role and sort of evolve with their passion to something else. And you definitely represent that coming from your role in PR and the things that you kind of migrated over. So tell me a little bit about your journey, um, you know, how you started PR and then what led you to doing what you do today and even your own podcast? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I know it's interesting. I, I've read studies that show that most people do have several careers within a lifetime. So um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are in similar similar situations. Um, I, yeah. So like you mentioned, I did start out in beauty PR, traditional old school PR back in like the early 2000s um, in New York City. And I worked on, I mean, pretty much every major skincare brand you could probably think of. Really heavy skincare for sure. Um, and you know, I liked it. I was good at it, but it never really, it was never really clicking in my head. Like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And, you know, they say, if you can't picture yourself or you don't want your boss's job, like you should think about switching careers. And I was like, I never want my boss's job. <laughs> so that was kind of a red flag for me. But I think in my early twenties, I just didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. Like I liked the, the world that I was in, but I didn't have like a specifically carved out thing that I was like, I want to do this. Um, so I knew that I always loved writing. And so I started a, a blog on the side for fun when blogs literally first started. My, I founded my blog in 2006, actually. So it was one wow, of the Wow, so you really blogs. were one of the first yeah. beauty blogs for sure. Yeah. yeah, exactly. People were like, what is this website you have? I'm like, it's a blog. <laughs> um, and my blog is called honestlyjamie.com. And it's it, it really is, I mean, it's mostly beauty, but there is some lifestyle stuff mixed in too, which is fun. Um, and it's sort of evolved over the years as I've gotten older and had different interests and things like that. Um, but yeah, so after PR, well, I worked, I should say, I worked in PR pretty much until I want to say like 2012 ish. Um, when I moved to LA in 2009 during the recession, I freelanced for a while doing PR and then actually Guthy Ranker found me on LinkedIn. For those who don't know, it's the Guthy Ranker is the infomercial machine that like you, every infomercial you see late night is usually by Guthy Ranker. I was going to say it is the machine, right? Yes. I mean, even today, when you look at, you know, just how it's expanded, that's amazing. So how did they find you? And what was it that they well, knocked my on your door? No, it, that, that's a great question. And I, I said the same thing. My, my former boss said that she was just really looking for somebody who had a lot of media connections in the blogger space, especially because that was, especially at, around 2010-ish, uh, 2011, it was just booming. That's when it really started to explode. And she found me just by like keyword searching on LinkedIn, which is, it goes to show you the power of LinkedIn. <laughs> I was going to say that is so true. It is so true. And it's so funny. I just attended a webinar this week that talked about, you know, you, uh, how many salespeople use, you know, LinkedIn 
to really initiate all their their meetings today and all yep. of those things. So it's only grown. So she she reached out via LinkedIn and yeah yeah and um so we connected and I I freelanced there for about a year and then they brought me on full time after that and I worked there for about two and a half years total um and it was great because I really did head up like all of the media relations and blogger relations and I had a lot of freedom to kind of say I think we should try this or let's do that and so that was really cool and obviously working for brands like Proactive and Meaningful Beauty, which is Cindy Crawford's line. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had a lot of opportunity there to, to try out a lot of cool things. And so after that, I went to um, Soul Society and for a position that was pretty much created for me, it was one of my former colleagues at Guthy Ranker had gone to Soul Society um, as the VP of marketing, I believe was her title. And she was, they were looking for an influencer marketing manager because again, like this is what everyone wanted to do. And I had carved out that niche pretty early on in my PR career. I was like, this is what I'm good at. So she brought me on and I loved it. I mean, I really was just doing influencer work. There was, I was managing the PR agency that we hired, but I wasn't really doing PR stuff anymore, which was fine. It was by okay me. with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, excellent. <laughs> um, so that's when I really probably, I guess that was like the big jump really out of PR and, and kind of putting that behind me. Um, and after that, I just decided to go off on my own. It, at that point, it was like 2013, early 2013, I think. And I felt like it was time and they had laid me off because they just couldn't afford me anymore. And I was like, this is kind of my sign. Um, and I, you know, friends, obviously a lot of my friends got laid off during the pandemic. And I think that is one thing that I told everyone. And I'm like, I know it sounds so cliche, but I've been laid off like two or three times. And every single time that happened, something better came. Like, it, I really do believe that stuff happens for a reason. Um, and and I do too. Great. And I think, you know, probably a lot of people listening, I don't know about you with your podcast, but we always get questions because there's so many people now, especially post pandemic who feel that they have that window, but they're still a little hesitant because they're like, you know, I have a lot of risk. and. Do I want to leave something that maybe I'm not super excited about, but I know and it's secure. Um, yep. So I'm stepping out. So how did you cross over? Did you have any trepidation or it sounds like you just kind of knew you wanted to do it and you just took that leap of faith? Well, you know, the thing is, I feel like I got lucky, right? Because I don't know if I necessarily would have quit my job at Soul Society. I really liked working there. I love the people I worked with. I loved what I was doing. And so you, to your point, it was secure and I liked it. I was happy. So I don't know if I would have taken that jump if I didn't get that kick in the butt, you know, that, yeah. that layoff where I was like, I don't really have a choice now. Like I was looking for other full-time roles, but I was like, in the interim, I'll just freelance and see what happens. And that was like eight years ago. So, <laughs> well, and I think what's beautiful about that is for everybody listening right now, who's thinking about it, just, I love how you, your perception was, look, you know, I've kind of been handed a gift sort of because now all bets are off. I can kind of make this what I want it to be. And I think that's often the power, right? Is when you just yeah. get out and put one foot in front of the other and let life take its course. So as you did that, what was, so as you took that step out on your own, you know, what did it take to sort of get the momentum that you really wanted? Because I mean, look at all the amazing things you've accomplished when you think about, you know, how you've stepped out. So what was it that sort of got you to that tipping point? Um, I think the fact that I simply had to, th there was no second option for me. Like, yes, I could have taken another full-time job that would have made me miserable if I really needed to, <laughs> if I was like desperate for money, you know, but I kind of looked at it like, I'm going to really, I'm going to put in 120% and just like make, see, I, I'm going to do my best to see if this can actually like be a sustainable thing for me where I can live off of this. And listen, there were years when I made like half of what I was making at Soul Society at the beginning, you know, I, but to me, it just felt like, to your point, it was a stepping stone. I'm like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to take a pay cut. I'll do as much supplemental stuff as I can. Like I was also still doing my blog and you know, my blog does make me some money, not enough, to, not enough to live off of, unfortunately yeah. for me, but like, you know, it, it come, it kind of ebbs and flows. Um, so that was nice income. And then just like, a lot of freelance writing, which doesn't pay very much, but it was like a few hundred dollars here, a few hundred dollars there. And mm -hmm. that does add up if you do it enough. So I really was just hustling my ass off to be quite frank. Like it was, I was like, I'll do anything like, you know, within reason, of course. I'm like, sure. Yeah. You want me to write this? Sure. I'll write that. Whatever. You want me to talk about toilet paper? Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> but I think that's so important because we have so many people that have side hustles right now and they're, you know, they're talking about how much happier they are just kind of yeah. doing and being in control of their own situation, right? 
Exactly. It's not always about the money. And I think that's also very much a millennial thing. Like I'm an elder millennial and maybe not. So oh, much is there? Okay. That's the category now, the elder millennial. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we're, we're a little bit different than like the younger millennials. I know, I'm just of, like, kidding you. Though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think from, from what I've read, the millennials just in general, we really value happiness at work versus necessarily making a, a fortune. You know, I think that was different with Gen Z, I'm sorry, with Gen X and even like the boomers, I would assume. Um, we just really want to be happy. And because it's, we don't really have nine to five jobs like they did back in the day. It's, it's very much you know, you're, you're really, your job is kind of your life. I mean, obviously depending on industry, but it's, I think overall. And, and I also think too, that what's really evolved in my mind, Jamie, too, is that, you know, um, the idea of, you know, maybe your grandparents went to a job and they stayed in that job for 20 yes. or 30 years. Oh, the my reality, Yeah. And the reality is that, you know, it's so fluid now to your point, you know, we, I don't think any of us can say we haven't been in a situation where we've been laid off or our business is closed two or three times, you know? Right. So I think our world is much more fluid and much more changing. And in pause, if you are someone who's growing personally, I think you sort of always have these new opportunities that come your way because you're, you're developing and you're seeing these new things that you can go do. So to your point, I think, a lot of people, you know, migrate and they, they don't make that that job their happiness. They sort of make, can can I be happy doing what I'm passionate about every day and wake up and be excited exactly. about it? So yeah. what were some of the critical lessons that you sort of learned that you can maybe share with our audience? You know, because you, you've been able to work with some of the biggest brands out there, some of the smallest brands. You know, and you, I love that you've literally tried every skincare trick. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd love to know, like, on that journey, what are some things you can share with us about some of the critical lessons you've learned about storytelling and about being able to communicate, even you with your brand, you know, and, and grow an audience and people who want to follow you? I think, generally speaking, authenticity is key. It, people can sniff out fakeness, even if they don't realize that's what they're seeing. You get this weird feeling, right? We've all seen it. We've all been like watching someone and you're like, you're trying so hard. Yeah. And it's, I don't even mean that in a negative way. It's, it's almost just like sad. You're like, just be yourself, be authentic. Um, and listen, there's many people who don't like you and that's fine. And I think the older, I'm sure you can agree, like the older we get, the less you care about that. Like I'm yeah. not a people pleaser anymore. I feel like in high school, I just wanted everyone to like me. And then I realized like, Number one, that's impossible. And number two, who gives a shit? Like, it doesn't, yeah. like, doesn't matter. Well, and I also think, too, you know, you sort of gravitate. I mean, you're going to create an audience of people who are like-minded, who share your values. And I think you have to be okay that that isn't the world. You know, that isn't everyone, oh, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, especially I, recently with, like, politics and stuff, because I'm very active about posting about mm-hmm. my my opinions. And I, ha- listen, I have lost several thousand followers because of that, but I'm fine with it. I'm like, I don't want them in my little community if this is how they think. It's well, fine. but also you probably also gained people. I mean, because you do have people that will, will find you, you know, and sort of say, hey, I'm with you on that. You know, one thing that's interesting on that note is, you know, taking that thought about what has changed, you know, especially, you know, post the, the shutdown and everything else that happened. I think that not only are we maybe more polarized politically, so there's there's a lot more tension maybe, or maybe not so much openness to people spreading their, their thoughts as they used to, but I wonder too, you know, when you talk about authenticity, I see that our audience, you know, whether that's at the skincare company or here with the podcast, you know, I think people saw life go before their eyes as we knew it, and they kind of came out of that with, I don't want to be anymore. I want to come out and yeah. actually have real things in my life because real things matter because time can be fleeting, right? We don't know. So I feel like it's even more important than ever. So with that, you know, you were talking about your background with influencers and as you look at brands. So how do you think that's going to change? Or do you think it's changing how we look at the people that we look to for trends, the people, I mean, because I use influencer loosely now because there's so many forms of influencer right. now, right? So what do you see, or because you have so much expertise in this area, how do you see that migrating? And what do you think are the most powerful uh, ways that people can be influenced today? You know, and that's a great question. I think what I've seen most recently, I would say like during COVID and even 
I guess we're not, I can't say we're post COVID because we're not, but I, I know I that, that's why that. I always, I always hesitate because I'm like, <laughs> so I just use post shutdown, you know, or yes, exactly. Or yeah. Yes, post or quarantine. Yes. That's yeah. more accurate. Um, one thing I've noticed, and especially with some of my, my bigger clients that I'm working with now on the marketing side is that, uh, you know, I think when Instagram influencer stuff was first happening, everybody just wanted really beautiful content. They wanted it to look perfect, aesthetically pleasing to like match the feed and like flow and everything. And my clients now are like, it's kind of intimidating. We don't really feel like it's like on brand. Like we want like real and raw and honest, especially because it's very um, parenting based. And they're like, we would rather have somebody like shooting in their, you know, dirty ass mm -hmm. dining room, not, not physically dirty, but like messy, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Toys, toys everywhere, all that stuff. Then like somebody, you know, who clears away one corner of the room and like takes a beautiful photo. Cause that's not realistic. And I, I've even gotten that feedback. Like during quarantine, I actually uh, did a blog post on, I, I, I found a way to like organize all of my face masks and my hand sanitizers. And it looked very pretty. I bought like a clear thing on Amazon and um, a bunch of my followers were like, God, your apartment's so neat. And I was like, Honey, you're seeing literally one, <laughs> like not even a corner. Like you're seeing like one sliver of my living room. And it is, that is not how it looks. Right. <laughs> so but I, I think, think that is what happens. But I also think people love that because they feel that I'm not alone. You know, I'm not the only one that wakes up and says, wow, what happened in here? You know? Yeah. I, I think the one thing I'd say though, on that note too, is, you know, we see it a lot that, you know, people want, really love user generated content where there's like, oh my gosh, you know, this is, this is, I was, I'm looking for something right now because I just moved and I just go to the reviews and look at photos in real people's houses because I want to see what it really looks like, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I love that. I feel like it gives me an idea of, of how it could be in my space, you know? So I love yep. that you're real like that. And I love that, that you capture that. And I think that is something when I look at where people are going with that. Um, but I also think, you know, we get a lot of individuals who ask, you know, what can I do to build my own personal brand? You know, when you look at building yourself, and that isn't always someone who necessarily wants to use it as income or to go out there, but just thinking, I have a voice, I want to use this voice, but how do I do that? And, you know, I have a lot of women in particular. I don't know, my, my daughter always uses the term imposter syndrome, but I have a, mm. a lot of super successful women who are sort of intimidated sometimes to go out, even though they have their own voice. They're like, is anyone interested in my voice? So when you say that, like, you know, for you, you wear so many different hats. I mean, you've done the Today Show, a consultant for your digital media. And, and it seems like there's many Jamie's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie has these different uh, versions. So how do you reconcile that as you build your brand and the fact that you are showing so many sides of your talent, your interest? Yeah. Um, so what I love about you is I don't think you can peg you as only one thing because no. like I love that you have lifestyle, I love that you have Sometimes you're talking about finance or you're, you know, yep. so, so, you know, what, how, what message do you have about that? You know, kind of showing all the aspects of who you are. I love that question. Um, and I want to start by saying that, like, I, I hate myself for saying this, but it's true. Everyone is a brand. Everyone has a brand. Even if you don't, even if you have 500 Instagram followers, you know, and it doesn't mean that you have to like follow some fancy marketing plan of like, oh, I can only post red. I can only post yellow. It, you know, it, it's not like that. Um, but I, I do think everyone has a brand. And secondly, I would say, uh, I totally get the imposter syndrome thing. And I think that's something that we as women suffer from a lot. And when I do feel that way, cause I do feel that way about myself. Sometimes I, I try to flip it and I say, what would a straight white man do in this situation? <laughs> <laughs> because there is no one bolder or who loves himself more than a straight white man. That and is so true. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're like, oh, how did you get that raise? Oh, I fucking asked for it. Well, <laughs> there, there you go. I think it's so simple. And I, I really, I, I know it sounds cliche, but like I find myself asking myself like WW, whatever the letters mm -hmm. are, because, you know, even with emails, there's like little tricks where it says, you know, when you're following up with someone, don't say just circling back, say, hi, circling back, because that's what a white man would do. They wouldn't right. say, hey, I'm just checking in whenever you have a minute. So I think as women, we need to be better about like being bolder and asking for what we want. Um, I know that wasn't your question, but I had to throw that in. No, but, but I love that only because now I'm hating myself because this morning I did send an email that said, we all do. just circling back. And I'm mm -hmm. like, shoot. Should have said circling back. <laughs> uh, listen, and and I do it. I still catch myself. I still yeah. do it. And I think there's 
we as women have this fear that we're going to come off as a bitch but it's like mm -hmm. who cares like i know it, <laughs> but but i actually think bitch is back right because like yeah. i was listening the other day because i was i don't know i always run in, in uh on my spotify it was britney's you know britney bitch and i was like oh my gosh i remember that like yep. And every now and then you're like, it, it is an anthem. You kind of go, okay, I'm okay with that. Absolutely. That's a whole dimension of who I am. For sure. <laughs> and I, I mean, embrace my bitchiness. <laughs> we all should. We all should. It shouldn't be a derogatory term. It really shouldn't be. It's like, I I think uh, I saw a meme one time that was like, bitch stands for being in total control, honey. Like B-I-T-C. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yes. But anyway, okay. back to your, back to your yes. branding question. Um, I think the best way to do it, if, and again, this is if you're trying to grow a brand, because again, I, I don't think anybody, not everybody necessarily is, is just ask yourself certain questions like, well, what do I want to represent? How do I want to represent myself? And and that can be in terms of just like language that you're using. It could be visual stuff that you're using. Like for me personally, I'm not a big fan of the color pink. And so you'll very rarely see that in like any of my stuff that's public. It's just not like, I prefer like darker colors with blacks and whites and greens and blues, like royal colors and stuff. Um, so like little things like that, you just have to kind of ask yourself, and this is a stupid example, but I remember one time I was talking to one of my friends who's also an influencer and she lives down the street from me in West Hollywood. And we were talking about how like those bird bicycles are so popular on the West side of LA, not really in this area. Cause it's just too hilly. Yeah. And we were over in Venice one time and I remember I just looked at her and I go, I just feel like those are not on brand for me. And she, <laughs> she looked at me and she goes, same. I just, I would never post a photo of myself in that thing. I'm like, no. It doesn't feel like it's me. Like, first of all, I'm scared to get on one. I always think I'm going to like crash and like smash my face in. But aside from that, it's just, I'm like, it's just not like, I'm not a bird rider, you know? But I have to tell you, the funny part is when you talk about bird, it's not only that it's on brand is I always think now this is going to sound terrible, but in San Diego, which is where I am, you know, downtown, they have them everywhere. It's just littered, right? But I'm like, oh my gosh, whose hands have been on oh, this? So you know, dirty. So you I'm like, wipes. unless I have my wipes, there's no way, you know? <laughs> and I, I know that who thinks that? Does anyone else think that? Because I'm oh, like, no. well, I think for during COVID, you start to question a lot of things. Like, you're like, oh God, I went an entire day without using hand sanitizer. Like, how could I have done that? So I, I totally know. get where you're coming from. But yeah, no, dirty. totally. But also the whole idea is I'm like, who are the dudes who get up at 5 a.m. and go around and pick all those things up? You know, like wherever they've been left, because it's like, that's that's just crazy. But but you're tried. It's not on brand for you. And when you look at it, it's like, what do you know? What do I want to evoke? And by the way, just so you know, I never used pink either. So you're not alone. So I'm like, so excited to meet someone else in beauty because pink yeah. and beauty are synonymous or blush yes. and it, beauty. It can be a little cliche, right? You're like, let's be not so predictable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I love that. So what? So you said, you know, what's am I? What's on brand for me? And then what's the third thing that you would share? Um. You know, I think if you really want to get like serious about it, there are probably even some free tools. If you Google like how to brand myself, there's probably like those fill in the blank things. It's like it, it asks you a lot of questions. And that's something that I did when I designed um, my podcast website, which is still not fully functional, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when I when I worked with the designer for that, she sent me a questionnaire that really made me like, even if I thought that I had a clear vision of like what the brand was going to be and look like and stand for, her questions were really great. Just like challenging me to think like, okay, well, like who's the audience? Who am I trying to speak to here? Things like that. And you don't need to hire someone. Literally, I'm sure if you Google like branding questions, I'm mm -hmm. sure you'll get them for free. And it's just a good exercise to go through to figure out exactly like what you want. So in that process, was there anything that surprised you when you did that sort of self inventory? Was there something that came out that you're like, hmm, I really had to give that a um, pause? Yeah, I think it took me a minute to figure out with the podcast specifically, like who I was trying to reach. And I think it's because I was new to the podcast world and I didn't really know what that looked like. So I had to really think about that. But I think, you know, when we look at everything that you're doing, your blog, the podcast, all those things, new brands, you know, how do you stay on top of all the trends, especially because they're, you know, it's, it's so dynamic, right? Yeah, it can be really challenging. And I think one thing that I've learned is that you don't have to do everything. You should pick the things that you like and that you're good at. Um, and one example is like, for example, YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. I have a few thousand subscribers. I haven't posted in probably like three years. Um, and my nephew who's 12 loves to make fun of me because at the top of my YouTube channel, it still says like new episodes or new videos every Thursday. 
So every once in a while, he'd be like, new video every Thursday. And I'm like, oh, shut up. That is the best. I love him. That is so good. He's a he tries to keep one. you honest, right? He does. He does. He's, he's a Gen X little monster. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, I tried the YouTube thing. I actually invested a good amount of money in it too, because I hired this amazing uh, videographer who also like edited and kind of like quasi produced my content. And he was awesome. I loved working with Chase, but I wasn't making enough money to like sustain paying him mm -hmm. to create this content. And I tried it and I'm like, I'm just, I'm not as passionate about this. And it, for me, like, I'm cool being on camera. I like being on camera, but it was more like coming up with the ideas like, you know, doing the whole shoot days and like, you know, basically producing it. I don't want to be a producer. But, but <laughs> also just spending time with you, Jamie, I think you're sort you're someone who needs the energy of the interaction too. The yes. one thing about videos sometimes it's just kind of one way, right? So exactly. part of it is how do you, where do you pull your energy from? Because you have to project it, but there, yep. I mean, like, this is awesome because I can see your body language. I can feed off that. Right. But, and even when you're doing your own blackness at least there's people communicating back and forth with you and all that but what about like TikTok? have you done anything with TikTok or i love i'm so glad you asked because i love TikTok. i have not dedicated enough time to really create that content and i do have some newer stuff from this week up um it's been on my to-do list forever i'm sure we can all relate to that it's like one yeah. of those things i'm like i genuinely want to do this but i'm just overwhelmed and it's it's tough and you know when you're uh, you know, a freelancer or an entrepreneur, anyone listening can relate to this as well. It's you have to pick and choose what you're spending your time on because time is money. And my marketing clients right now, they are, are taking up a lot of my time and I'm happy to give it to them because they're paying me quite well. That's right. So, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things. I'm like, TikTok is going to have to take the back burner. I had to reschedule a podcast interview yesterday for my podcast because quite frankly, again, my clients were like, we really need this extra hour from you. And I was like, great. Yeah. And, you know, and I had to tell the PR person, I was like, I'm really sorry, being totally honest, like, I don't make money off my podcast yet. So I have to kind of prioritize where I'm spending my time and energy. And she totally understood. And we rescheduled and it was fine. But I think it's also important to like be upfront with people about that so that you're setting expectations. At the end of the day, it's something that's not only making money off of, but I'm losing money from like the podcast. Yeah, and that is probably what's going to get pushed down to the bottom. You know, TikTok, as much as I love it, I can't like spend an entire day shooting content yet unless it's like a weekend or something because I, I just I need to focus on how I'm getting paid. But what I love about what you're saying, though, is we do we are only one person. Right. Mm -hmm. So we do have to sort of prioritize. And I think sometimes I see that and I, I'm guilty of this sometimes myself, too, is I commit to a lot of things at once yeah. and I'm almost killing myself. Right. To sort of and I maybe don't do them all as well as I could because you do have to feed the tiger cash wise and all that. So if you spread it really thin and you don't do any of it super well, you know, yep. so I think that message of that you're sharing about the importance as an entrepreneur of sort of prioritizing. But now that you talked a little bit about your marketing clients, is there something that you're seeing out there now in marketing that, um, you know, what's the biggest obstacle to people right now? What are the things that they're trying to solve when you go out and look at the marketing world right now? What's your biggest challenge? So, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a couple different things for so I do different variations of marketing um, and for social media specifically, I think the challenge is we're in a smaller brand just simply doesn't have the money to pay for the ads that Instagram and Facebook really require at this point almost for you to get seen. You know, even if you have 5000 followers, unless you're doing ads, I would say not even half of those followers are probably even seeing your content just because of the way the algorithm works, which is really unfortunate. And that's not how Instagram used to be. Um, and I know a lot of people have complained about that. Instagram is not, in my opinion, doing all the things right. Um, they recently announced that they're going to be investing like billions of dollars into uh, content creators to try to get them to, you know, stick around versus going to TikTok, which is what a lot of us have been doing. Um, and it's, listen, I, I, they're grasping for straws because even with the new stuff they're doing, it's like so focused on new content creators. And then I saw a bunch of comments on the, the when they posted about it from creators like myself who have been here since the beginning who are like what about us <laughs> oh, but, but that's the interesting thing because we started this whole podcast talking about authenticity right so i think when you pay to play in that kind of large way right because if you look at who they're paying right it's you look at that and you think okay one or is that a, someone with a sustained audience who's going to be really sticking around in my mind there's so much that's popular, but in a t 
time frame, right? And I think when you're building a business, which Instagram's doing, you have to think about, well, who, who am I going to sustain over time, right? And right. I think the thing about the people that have been there a long time is they have pretty loyal followings and people that look at them that search them out. It's kind of the way I feel about, you know, in my business, micro-influencers. I'd much rather have a micro-influencer with a super engaged audience than yep. someone who has, you know, millions of followers who are just following along maybe because they like to watch a train wreck, you know? I mean, there's exactly. a difference, right? Um, so when we look at that, I okay. think, you know, I think that's where that you can kind of go on that 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 edge where you're kind of teetering, you know? So I think, you know, competition has a way of making people sort of scared. And even big groups like, you know, IG get a little scared and just start making decisions that maybe aren't going to be great at long time. But I guess time will tell, right? So as we look yeah, at it. I get it. There, people, you know, have been switching over because quite honestly, TikTok is built for creators. They mm -hmm. They have since day one, boosted content that people haven't been paying for or how, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's much more organic and authentic and um, Instagram is scared and <laughs> they're, yeah. they're really trying to like to keep people on, but it's been a process. I think the last even couple of years before TikTok even was a thing where they just made everything so hard. A lot of content creators and influencers like myself have just kind of stopped because they're like, oh, I'm putting in all this effort. I'm posting every day. I'm doing all the things they're telling us to do. And I'm not seeing growth. I'm not seeing, you know, higher engagement, more followers, nothing. My stuff is just not getting shown to people. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's, it's exhausting. It's like, why yeah. am I going to keep putting effort into this if I'm not seeing any results? Um, well, and, and to your point, I think, you know, what's scary for brands, and I hear it from so many people that, because we have so many entrepreneurs that follow us, um, you know, and they're like, hey, I am scraping by to pay for ads and do all those things. But you know, where the ads are getting served up now or not. And, um, you know, especially when you look at Instagram, Facebook, you know, I think, and the whole privacy iOS piece, you know, as you look at all that, I think, you know, that's why I think with TikTok and even now, you know, Snapchat has kind of been reborn from an advertising point of view. Yeah. Where, you know, even now there's lots of avenues for people looking at Snapchat and how do I use it to grow an audience? You know, so being more creative to think outside of the IG Facebook box and say, okay, what are some of the other things that, you know, I could be doing? So I'm excited that you're spending time there and you're finding it great for, for your creativity. And maybe some people listening will check it out. And oh see yeah, absolutely. And even one of my clients, the one that I mentioned that can't really afford to do a lot of ads, we posted just existing videos that she had already paid for and done onto TikTok. And we literally have like three or four followers, like including myself. I feel like I'm just like, oh, I'll follow. And the videos got like over a thousand views. Yeah. It's, and that's it's with crazy. three followers on TikTok. Right. So I would say if even if you can't invest into creating original TikTok content, take what you already have that's existing and just put it on there. Like you have nothing to lose. What are you going to lose? <laughs> yeah. Just and, stick it up there and see what happens. Well, you know, that's the weird part is we had a guy do a... a, a he did a, the cutest little TikTok video on one of our foaming mask things. And he was in the shower and he kind of used it to wash his hair, brush his teeth. It was hilarious. I was like, God, I wish I would have known it did all those things. <laughs> but, you know, the amount of views that got, but he just randomly threw it on there, you know, and um, and it got so much more than so many of our paid you know, posts. Yeah. So like you said, I think you just, you have to just sometimes try things and throw it out there because you really don't know no. what's going to find an amazing audience, right? And that's the thing too about this world that I've been in for the past 15 years is that, you know, people like to call themselves an expert in it. It's like, well, how can you be an expert when like none of us really know fully like how, what's going to happen here, especially when there's like a new, you know, new channel. I still remember the day that like Twitter launched, it was 2008, I believe. And my boss came down to my, to my desk and she was like, can you like sign us up for this Twitter thing? And I was like, sure. I don't really know. And I was like, you know, why am I telling her? I don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows what this is. Well, I, I have to say that, you know, every time something new, my favorite story of something new, like, you know, because when you were talking, it makes me think about how many people who don't use Twitter don't use the right terminology. I don't know if you people like, oh, and that tweeter or, you know, yeah. what are you talking about? But, I Twittered at him. Yeah. But my mother-in-law was, she's 90, uh, how old is she now? She's almost 97 years old. Wow. And yeah, it, it walks, you know, there's 150 setups a day, but she's like, oh. I'm going to come over, but I'm going to, I already called Goober. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, 
Okay, all I gotta give her at 97, she's using the Uber app, so you know what? Credit, credit. You can can call it Goober all you want, and uh, so now I just, but I do think it's so funny and so cute that even someone 97 can take the technology on and do it, it's so My 60-something-year-old mother can't even (laughs) do Goober, so it's, yeah, every time she wants to use one, she's like, can you call it for me? And I'm like, oh my God, mom. Yeah, she just wants it, she just wants it on your credit card. Don't let her fool you. (laughs) Mom's figured out the reverse strategy. For sure. I don't know. But so I want to get to a few things because this time always goes so fast. When we talk about you as a beauty expert, you know, people are always wanting to know, you know, sort of what the role skincare can play in confidence, you know, and sort of how you show up every day. So how do you feel, you know, when we talk about skincare, because you're so busy, right? And you have so many, you have clients and you're doing your own thing. So how do you find time for your routine? And what what advice do you have for people that you know, really are trying to kind of grab to do the right things with their skin? And what have you found to be sort of the secret to, to, to getting it done? I think the secret is really just simplifying things. Like, you know, you not everybody has to do a 12-step Korean skincare regimen. Like, more power to you if that's what you want to do. I don't do that. Like, that would be yeah. crazy to me. Like, I, I don't have the energy. It's not even the time. I'm like, I don't want to do 12 steps. I just don't. But you have um, really good skin, too. Thank you. It's It's, mostly genetic, but then also <laughs> I, I've also been slathered in SPF 100 since like the age of six. So, <laughs> you know, when you're very fair, like myself, you don't really get the opportunity to even tan because I go right from this to like a tomato. Yeah, so, exactly. But, but, that's, that, but that was a gift now, you know, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh my God. No, let me tell you when I was in high school. So I am, I am ironically, mostly Italian, but I look like uh, my dad who looked like his dad, who was Irish English. So even though I'm more Italian, I look mostly Irish English. And um, the area that I grew up in New York was very dominant Italian. And most people had pretty dark skin and would go tanning and like not wear sunscreen. And like I learned pretty much in middle school that like that was just never going to be my life. And like I accepted it. I was like, I don't know who I'm trying to be right now, like putting oil on my skin. Like it it only takes 15 minutes for me to burn. I don't need oil. Right. (laughs) Oil. Now you're down to one minute. (laughs) Exactly. Like I'm yep. literally like, I'm like an egg frying in an right. egg pan right now. I'm like, this is terrible. I did um, the, uh, what's it called? The tanning beds. I did oh, that yes. like two, two times in, in high school. And I remember just coming out and looking at myself and going, why did I do that? Like, I didn't, first of all, I knew it was terrible even before people knew it was terrible. Cause I'm like, this can't be healthy, right? You're literally burning your skin. Second, I don't turn darker. I just turn red. So like right. it was completely pointless for me. But anyway. Well, well, that's the thing though. With people like our skin tone, you have yeah. to you have to burn before you tan, right? I don't and I don't even tan after that. It's yeah. it honestly just goes back to this color. There's yeah. no darkness that happens ever. So and like you said, I, I've accepted it and um it's funny because I wouldn't say I've gotten a lot of these comments, but every couple of years I'll get like a troll that's like, You're so pale and I'm like, Who cares? Like, do you think that's an insult? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, are you telling us that I didn't know since birth? I'd love exactly. to know, right? <laughs> I know. But do you, that's another thing. How do you handle that? Because, you know, that is the one thing with putting yourself out there is when you put yourself out there, you do open yourself up to negativity and, I, you know, the hater syndrome. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? And how do you, you know, as other people are going out, you know, they end, they come across that. So. How do you not let that get to you? Um, I'll be honest. It does get to me sometimes. It's it's really hard. It's hurtful. And people say really mean things when they're hiding behind their phones and their computers. Um, I, I've talked about this a lot in my podcast with my various guests because I've had guests, you know, who have huge followings, who've been on reality TV shows, things like that. Um, you know, Paige DeSorbo from Summer House told me that her second season on Bravo, she was getting death threats. Like, mm-hmm. these people are not well. You know, I think... There's, uh, there's like levels of trolldom, you know, there's the people who are just mean and miserable in their own life. So they take it out on other people. And then they're like the actual like sickos who are like, I want you to die because you said that girl's shoes were ugly, you know, like things like yeah. that. Um, and it, it can be really hurtful. It, it really can. But I think, um, I, I don't know, like maybe this was like something I learned during quarantine, because let me tell you, the trolls were yeah. out in full force. And because well, they had nowhere to go, right? They had nowhere so, to go. Yeah. And I think a lot of the country, well, I, I don't think I know a lot of the country did lose their jobs. And I'm just going to put two and two together that those are probably the trolls because mm-hmm. they're scared that maybe they can't pay their bills and right. they're really unhappy. And like, you know, I'm not making excuses for them because they need to find a healthier solution to manage mm-hmm. their stress, like therapy. Yeah. 
um, or anything else actually. But, you know, I think they really came out during COVID and not just for myself, but for other people too. And now I'm kind of like numb to some of it. You know, recently I posted, there was a, an older woman, uh, her name is Carol Zakor, and I'm going to say her name because I don't care. And she sent me a message that I'm an ugly fat pig. What? And yes. And I, you know, I, they're not usually that mean, but when I do get one, sometimes I'll like click and see who it's coming from. And she had like a fully open public profile. And I looked at a photo of her and she was old and overweight and I would consider her unattractive. And I was like, God, this woman is like projecting her insecurities onto me. And like, it's so insane to me. So I wrote her back and I was like, I think, and I was a bitch right back to her. I was like, I think you might be looking in the mirror, sweetie. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know who you think you're talking to right now, but like, I highly suggest you like see a therapist or something. Cause like, you're too old to be acting like this. Like I would expect this behavior from like a 13 year old and that's even terrible. And so she, she blocked me and I posted screenshots of what she said to me. And a lot of my followers messaged her and they were like, you're out of control. Like you're again, you're way too old to be behaving this way. And she ended up deactivating her account. And, you know, I, my friends were like, do you feel bad? I'm like, no, why would I feel bad? Like she started with me and she, again, she's too old to have this behavior. Well, and the other side of it too, is that I always try to tell my team here because we do a lot of virtual coaching. So you randomly get these people on a call who really aren't interested in engaging with you. They just wanted to have someone to sort of, you know, take through hoops. So one of the things I always tell them is, can you imagine Carol, right? That was her name. Mm -hmm. um, I just tell people, think about, thank goodness, I don't live with that person or I don't yeah. go home to that person. Can you imagine if that's who you interface with every day or that's what you deal with or how sad? Because that's what I sort of think is I've now turned what used to be pain of someone expressing themselves that way to me because I get all kinds of stuff too. And I think you know, what I now do is just take it back and go, wow, how that person has to be hurting to come from a place like that and yeah. to be wanting to torpedo someone else that badly. So I kind of just put it back to saying, wow, I just, you know, my heart hurts for that person and I kind of hope they find their way, you know, because, and, and I don't, I don't take it in. I don't, I no longer internalize it because yeah. I'm sort but of But it like, took a minute to get yeah. there, right? Like, cause at first you're like, Oh, oh a year, God, two so years, hurtful. three years. It's been yeah. my whole life, right? Yeah. Because one of the things I think that I always share on my own personal journey is that, you know, the stronger you are as a woman, the more you put yourself out there. And I'm often surprised how women are often not supportive of other women, probably more so. Um, but, you know, they're, they want to do what you're doing, but then, you know, they're threatened by it. So they really take you down. And, you know, my favorite story is I was at this charity event and I go into the, and I had spoken at this event. I went into the bathroom and I'm in the stall and there's this woman that comes in and this other woman's like, oh gosh, I heard Celeste Hilling and I really love her. I'd love to meet her. And the other woman's like, oh, well, let me tell you. And she says all this stuff. So I come out of the bathroom. I don't know who this woman is. I've never met her in my life who said she knew me. So she goes, oh, I love your shoes. I'm like, oh, well, thank you. Well, let me introduce myself. I'm Celeste Hilling. And then she just stops. And I go, well, you know, you just said you knew me. Oh, good and for you. No, I, oh. totally, I totally called her out in front of yeah. this other woman. And she goes, oh, oh, well. And then the other woman's like looking. And I said, we've never met, have we? And she was like, uh, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's good. I just wanted to make sure you didn't have me confused with someone else. So then I said, well, nice to meet you guys. You know, walk out. But I just had to because I'm thinking, yeah. why would you lie? Why would you make up something? You don't even know me, you know? And I just think it showed me the depth to which people will go if they feel threatened, you know, or they feel Absolutely. like. And um, so I, I, that was a turning point for me because it really hurt my feelings because I kind of drove in the car and thought, well, what did I do to justify, why would she do that, you know? And then I realized I'm never going to know the answer to that And question. it's not about you most likely. That's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. never going to know the answer. All I know is that that was the day that I sort of turned around and said, I cannot control that. I can't control what comes from it. And all I can do is hopefully people that when they meet me or know me know who I am, what I am, and the people that care and that I care about know who I am. And I don't really need, that's that's really all I need to worry about is, you know, when I lay my head on the pillow at night, do I feel good about who I am? And that's it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But I think that's a, that, that's a, that comes with, with life lessons and age, because, you know, I think I am more really comfortable in my skin. You were taught, you were talking about that earlier. 
and I think I allow myself to have warts now. Like I embrace myself warts and all. <laughs> yeah. So how about you? Is that kind of where you are too? Yeah. No, I mean, that day with Carol, I just decided I was going to call her out. And I think, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to post every single troll comment I get forever, but like when they're really mean and nasty like that, I probably will call them out publicly. Like in my policy on my Instagram channel is if you send me a mean or rude DM, you don't get anonymity. Like mm -hmm. I will post it and I have every right to, that's a message that you send to me. Right. And like, you have no right to privacy in that capacity. Um, and I know a lot of influencers don't do that. Like they'll post the comment and then like block out the name. Like, why do you do that? Like, <laughs> well, if they, but, if they're so brave but, sending you a DM. Well, that's what I say, like in the end, be accountable, right? Yeah. So if you're, if you're going to, that's fine, but, but be accountable for that. And I yeah. think, because we have, as we, as people that are public have to be accountable, right? Like if we're spreading stuff, misinformation, whatever it might be, right. everyone in the world can call us out. So I think that's why I think that accountability is really important, you know? Yeah. And, and I think the other is, you know, I know we're coming close to time and I wanted to just ask you a little bit. I know, um, kind of turning to that whole thing of caring and how we feel. I know that grief is an area for you that is really important. You've really been weaving that into your purpose. So can you share a little bit or are you able to share a little bit with us about yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I, it's interesting, like COVID has really opened up my eyes to the different levels of grief and how grief can affect people in so many different ways. It doesn't always mean that you lose someone, like you could be grieving the life you had before COVID. And, and um, I, just to give everybody a background, I lost my sister in 2016. Um, she was 29 at the time to an opioid overdose. And then three years later, my dad suddenly died of a heart condition. And it was just like, I mean, it, dealing with one after the other like that in such a short amount of time, it just really hit me. And I realized that I was like, I need to talk to somebody about this or I'm getting like emotionally, which is really- No, no, it, and by the way, but, but I think that's important because yeah. that is the thing. It comes in waves, right? And the wave, it, if we think about an ocean, the waves never stop. And right. that's the thing about grief, right? It doesn't matter if it was yesterday or 10 no. years ago or, yeah. It's, it's such an interesting thing just from like a, I guess like studying it from that, like you start to realize that grief has affected you, most people probably since they were kids in some capacity. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, it really started when I was about six or seven years old. I lost my grandmother very suddenly and then my parents got divorced and then like slowly all the relatives I was closest to like all kind of died one after the other. And my grief counselor alerted me to the fact that she was like, you've been grieving since you were like six. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like you don't think of it that way. Right. Cause you're like, Oh, death is natural. Death is just part of life. But not a lot of people have had that many years consecutively, mm -hmm. like almost every other year of like losing right. a close family member. And then really the pinnacle was like my dad and my sister, of course, um, because they were in my immediate family and we were mm -hmm. all so close. And I just think that, um, you know, given the platform I have, it's just always been important to me to, be really open about my grief journey. And like, there are some days when I just like, I can't do anything. I just have to cry all day. Mm -hmm. And then there are others that I'm sort of okay or fine. Um, but I do actively post about it as sad and depressing as it kind of be can be because I just feel like a lot of people don't talk about it. And I'm not really sure exactly where I'm going to go in terms of like grief advocacy. Um, I think it'll show itself to me like when I kind of figure it out, but there's going to be some kind of bigger purpose for me in that capacity. So you and I share some things in that area. And I have to say for family and personal and, and it still continues for me today because, you know, even going to pets, I mean, you oh, know, yeah. I grieve as much for my pet human friends as I do for my family. And, but also, you know, I've been blessed to have some amazing friends and I look at their journeys with cancer and no longer being here. And, you know, so it's my, it's my real family, but it's also my nuclear family of everyone who's around me. And, you know, I, what I love about what you're doing and the reason I wanted to bring it up is because I think we need to give, we have to be kind to ourselves. I think we're sort of taught that, you know, I, well, one of the things I hate is, you know, time makes it all go away. Well, the truth is, you know, grief is something that never, <laughs> ever goes away. And, no. The reality is that maybe how you learn to live with it or how you deal with it changes. But, you know, I think we have to be kind to ourselves and let ourselves go through the the emotion, you know, let that emotion out and not be afraid to show it. Yeah. And when you said as sad and depressing as it is, I think we should maybe eradicate that, that verbiage from this because, 
you know, it is, it shows the depth of your love and the depth of your connection to that human or that entity, like you said, maybe the life you had before, whatever it might be. And I think just, it's okay to share that it mattered and oh, absolutely, that, yeah. that it impacted you and that, you know, because I think that it also, for me personally, I found that it changed how I communicated or maybe stole some of the joy that my heart felt about things. And if you don't communicate to someone why that's happening, a lot of people will read those cues as things that are impacting the relationship you have with them or, you know, whatever yep. it might be. And I think by being open and I'm very open now, you know, when I tell the story of this company, that's sort of how I ended up here. Um, when I tell the story of where I go, I, you know, I'm open about it, not because I want to say sad things, but because I feel like it tells a little bit of a story of how I engage and maybe why I make the choices I do or what I do. And I, that way the people around me don't read into those moments, you know, um, more than just, hey, I, I'm going through some stuff and, you know, yeah. and it impacts how I interact or engage and maybe some moments, you know, so it's, I, yeah, I think it's, it's smart powerful. that you know that it's really smart that you're self-aware. It took me a long time to realize that I changed as a person and I lost a lot of friends after my sister died. And like, in my mind, I'm like, you know what? if they couldn't see that that maybe had affected me in some way, then they probably weren't really my friend to begin with. And I, I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. As weird as that is. I did have one friend that like came, she, we kind of got into a weird fight after my dad died and we didn't speak for almost a year. And then she reached out to me and apologized. And she was like, I really wasn't a very supportive friend to you. And I, I wrote back, I was like, the fact that you just like did that after a year of us not speaking means that like, I know that you care and everybody mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I forgive you. Like I'm, I know everyone's makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect. I'm certainly not perfect mm -hmm. far from it, but like, that's the kind of friend that you need to stick with because they realized that they were wrong and they had the guts to come back and apologize fully knowing that I could have just ignored her and like not right. responded, you know, and rejected that. But to me, I had so much respect that she did that. And, you know, I would say I lost, maybe six or seven good friends over the course of the last couple of years. And she's the only one that like actually followed up and was like, Hey, I've been thinking about you. I hope you're okay. She saw on Instagram, that I, I had to sell my dad's condo and like, I had to do all that by myself because my parents are divorced and I'm the only one. And it was, it was a lot. And it meant so much to me that she reached out and said that. But, you but know? think about it. It means even more that in seeing that she knew how that would impact you. And yeah. she, she cued off that. And I think that's the thing that I would share when you said about self-aware, you know, it's a journey, right? Because I think the other thing is what's changed the most for me in my life is that all those things that have happened to you or me is, you know, you realize how fleeting life is, right? Because when you have, see the moments at which your life went, your friendship or your family or your, went from amazing, having fun, da-da, to the next day, not there, um, you realize how much the time in between that matters. Oh yeah. And I think what I found is that I, you know, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm busy all the time and I'm a high, high multitasker. Um, like you, I have my hands and everything. And for a lot of years, I thought that if I was physically someplace, I'm with you, that that was being present. And I think what changed for me that made me more self-aware is that I need to be present with the people I love or the friends I have, or if I'm here doing this with you, I am fully present with you right now. And I yeah. think the reality is that if I'm going to do it, I need to be there and I need to mentally show up for that and be committed to it, right? And I think that's, that's what I've gotten the most out of my life and maybe had the least number of regrets from being present because I can't do anything more than give you my love and my time and right. my energy, right? And that is something that, you know, hopefully those memories, the mind videos, you know, they stay after the physical things aren't there. And that's really the value. So I just say that because, you know, so many of the people listening right now, this has, you know, been a tough couple of years in addition to what you and I have been talking which is what life just throws your way. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone grieves something that we gave up along the way. I mean, I say we're going to have, I feel like there's a lot of PTSD related to this two-year period because, you know, so many people don't know what to trust about 
what the future holds for them and absolutely for their, and what decisions to make or where you know information is all contradicted you know who what do we do and and how do I protect people I love and am I protecting myself and you know all these things and how can I go back to life or what what's the ramification if I do so well there's a lot of you know a lot of challenges right now for all of us and I think the one thing that you know is important is really to just realize that we can't control everything <laughs> and we'll go crazy trying to but I think what we can control is the moments we have with the people we love and making those the best and feeding off that positive energy that comes from those things. And, you know, for me, I have a friend right now who's, you know, has, and I'm saying this because hi, Jen, love you, but she has stage four cancer and she's in a clinical trial and she's the strongest woman I know, young, you know, in her forties with experiencing this. Um, and I just, you know, I realize I just love how she faces every day and she just goes out and I spend my moments with her amazing because we know we don't have a million of them. And I just say that because, you know, we could cry about it, we do, but we also are celebrating that, hey, it's another day, you know, it's yeah, another week, it's another four months. And I've had that those moments and I have more moments with her, um, however many we get. So. You know, I just really feel like that has changed for me, the joy. And the grief is still there, but I also know that there can be joy, moments of joy. And for a while, I wasn't sure that yeah. I could get there. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting that you brought that up because in uh, not this episode of my podcast, but the one before with my friend Don McCoy, I had her on because her son is the victim and survivor of a traumatic brain injury. He, I want to say at like six weeks, was injured wow. and they are facing a lifelong struggle. And there's a lot of unanswered questions as far as like, will he be able to walk? Will he be able to speak? Because it's just too soon to kind of figure that out. And she just basically said a lot of similar stuff to you where she was like, we're just doing our thing. He's a happy baby and that's all that's important to me. And I'm gonna do my best to like, make sure that he gets all the best treatments and we'll figure this out. And you know, there's there's no, she was saying, she's like, I used to be such a planner and now there's really no, that plan because mm -hmm. I have to wait and see like what he shows me. And mm -hmm. there's also some beauty in that too. Um, so I, I love that you said that is reminded me of that conversation, which was so, I mean, it was a very popular episode. I think it really, it's great for like a perspective shift, you know, when you're like, I'm having the worst day. Like this guy didn't want to go on a date with me. And you're like, Hey, listen, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I share with you? That is not the end of the world, right? No, and, and, plus and probably a, a blessing. Cause he probably that, sucks. That's what I always say. You dodged a bullet. Go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so good. I mean, it's like your point about getting laid off. Right. And it yep. brings us full circle, which is, you know, at the end of the day, when things happen, my mom always said, you know, when doors close, windows open. And I think it's so true just to always just remember that, you know, that when these things happen, you know, it's just going to be, um, it's all about what you make with it, what you do with it. All right. So before we wrap up, I always do like a little rapid round. So um, it's kind of funny because I made this question before I talked to you. So I'm going to take it away because I said pink or orange, but I already know, <laughs> the, <laughs> but I already know the answer to that. And I'm, yeah. And it's funny because I predicted you were not a pink person. I because I didn't oh. see it anywhere, but I was like, yeah. maybe so. I maybe love not. it. <laughs> yeah. So breakfast or dinner? Oh, dinner. I am not a huge breakfast person. The food is just not my favorite. I force myself to eat it and never really enjoy it. So definitely dinner. Wine or tequila? Oh, I love both of them, but probably wine. Yeah, got to go with yeah. that. And then the last one: happiness or fear facing. I'm going to go with happiness, but I don't think it's always innately there. I think a lot of us, including myself, have to work toward that perspective. Yeah. Well, I love ending on that note. And I have to say something. I have so enjoyed my time with you. Me too. And I want to let you know that I am here. I'm always here. When you feel those waves and you want to reach out to anybody, reach out. Um, oh, so because sweet. it takes all of us kind of holding hands and loving each other. And, you know, I always end the podcast with that, which is always be kind be fun and be kind to yourself. So thank you guys for listening. Please make sure uh, that you check out Jamie's podcast. All the information is going to be here on our blog. You'll be able to have links to her, but 
before we go, can you just make sure everyone knows how to reach out to you yes. and how to get in touch with you? Because I'm sure there are people that will want to. Oh, please do. I love I love nice DMs, not mean ones. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. We'll, we'll block any of those. No carols. Yes. No carols. Get out of here, Carol. Um, my blog is honestly jamie.com. My podcast is a little too much with Jamie Stone. And you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at I-T-S-J-A-M-I-E Stone. Well, just so you know, this was a, not enough. So it's not a little too much. We we're gonna have, we'd love to have you on again. And thank you so much for spending time with us. So again, you can get links to all of her uh, medium outlets on Bear Skin with Celeste. So tune in next time. Thanks guys.